0: Hello everybody and welcome to the Scott Stedman podcast. I hope you had a wonderful weekend and I am back with uh, Micah. Micah how are you doing this morning?
1: I'm good. How are you? I, you know it's kind of it's earlier than what we normally record. <laughs> yes Dude. yes
0: with with our schedules or at least this Micah's schedule we are recording this earlier than we normally do so if I sound like I'm just waking up it probably is because I am
1: (laughs) and I'm drinking coffee heavily at the moment
0: (laughs) that's true that's true so we actually have an exciting an exciting episode today I think this episode is going to be fun to talk about but before we get to that let's talk about weird stories so here's my weird story um so once I moved back to Ohio I had to switch over my insurance try to figure out what was in network, what was not in network, all that fun stuff you do with insurance. So I went to go find a chiropractor and I found one that was just, just down to just a couple blocks down from where the church is. So I'm like, all right, cool. You know? So I get everything. I fill out a, I register online and even type in all my credit card information. And even not only that, but even like my insurance information, because technically my, I got my insurance, but I didn't start till the beginning of September. So this was back in August when I finalized everything. And so I luckily I had like the comfort, like code and the number, my medical number, everything else, threw it in there. So they had it. So then it's September 2nd. My new insurance is kicked in on the 1st. I look at my app on my phone and there's my digital card right there. Saying everything's active. Great. Still waiting for them to send my physical plastic cards in the mail. Haven't received those yet. I go to the chiropractor and I'm talking to the lady. She's like, okay, you know, everything's good. We got your online registration, blah, blah, blah. Um, all I need to see is your medical card and your ID. So I pull out my ID and I said, I have I don't have a physical medical card, but I do have a digital one because it hasn't come in the mail yet. And the lady says, oh, I'm so sorry, Mr. Stedman. We can't see you because we have to have the physical card.
1: Even though they you know that you're registered and they they found it online?
0: They're registered. I typed it in. And I even had a digit. And even like with my app, I can actually hit a fax button and type in their fax number. And they would send a fax with all my medical information in my medical card on a piece of paper to their fax machine or email it or or I can type in their phone number and a phone call go and someone would confirm that, yes, this is active, blah, blah, blah. No need for the physical card because there's three ways you can have this card or I could just show them like here it is. Here's the number, blah, blah, blah. No, sir, we have to have the physical card. So I couldn't go to my chiropractor appointment because I didn't have my physical card. And sure enough, I got back home and once the mail came, Guess what was in there? Your card. All, all my physical cards for my family my wife, me, and my kids.
1: It's like you getting pulled over by a cop and having like a, a, a state farm app on your phone with your insurance card proving that you have insurance. Yeah. And then saying, nope, I have to have the physical copy.
0: And that's weird because then, especially like I know with mine, with my car insurance, they will say, like, if I have my thing they'll say yes your state does accept digital proof of insurance they'll always say you have yes you have digital proof insurance so i don't have to worry about having a card and it says well if you want a card you can you can just click this button and we'll send you some physical cards but for them they're like well if the state accepts it then we're not going to send them to you once you renew your insurance because why would you need a physical card if you can just use the app, which is what they want you to do? That's so
1: stupid. I'm I know. Sorry. That's no. so dumb.
0: <laughs> it is. It's like what we're in 2022. We had a whole year where everybody was doing stuff online.
1: Yeah, you had to.
0: You had to. And yet you're now telling me, no, sorry, sir, we need a physical plastic card, even though you have your card in digital format. And you typed it in, you sent it to us. We need to see the physical card. And it's like, okay. So yeah, that was... So, uh,
1: yeah, so not to get on a tangent, but like, I, you know, I work in higher ed, I work at Miami. And um when when COVID, we came back to work in 21. Uh, there was kind of this like, okay, what do we do, right? Like, are, are we working at home? Are we working in person? Can we work at home sometimes? Do we wear masks? Do we not wear masks? But like the whole policy, Scott, like what you're talking about, like where, you know, some things, it, it forced people's hands on a lot of things that were outdated processes and, and such, things like that where you had to do things digitally and things were um, for sure outdated. And so, like, especially in higher education, it forced our hands a lot in respect to, okay, we have to come up with some sort of system to to make this stuff available online for people that may not be able to be here in person. And then with covid you know, none of us went to work, so everything had to be online. But when we went back to work, some of the stuff, like you're saying with your with your insurance card, it's like people reverted back to like it was 2019 again and they didn't have anything in place and they didn't want to do it. <laughs> it's like, why in the world would you um, revert back when you have some stuff that makes things so much easier? I mean, the digital system, some of the digital systems are so much easier and it's just like... Um, Scott, you're probably old enough to uh, remember when, you know, you paid your bills like with a check, or mm-hmm. uh, you, you mailed your bills in to pay them. Like, you know, all I've ever known is just click, 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 and I pay all my bills in about five minutes on my credit card online, and I'm done. You and know, know like what I
0: mean? That. Well, yeah, and, and and to kind of illustr kind of emphasize that point, like when we opened up a bank account when we moved to Virginia, we ended up getting a. Uh, You know, we end up getting, like, checks in the mail for our – if we need them. And I think we've been – I mean, I lived in Virginia for seven years, and we're just now getting to our last few checks. I think since – And most of our checks we've been using for just this past year because if we wanted to pay our bill online, like our our rent bill for – our rent bill for the apartment and even just the utilities that are tied into the apartment. If we write a check, we don't have to pay an additional fee, but if we did online, we'd have to do an additional fee. So that's the only reason why we started using up our checks. So we didn't have to pay the ridiculous fees that were attached by just paying online.
1: Yeah. The, um, Alicia and I will be married seven months later in October. Uh, but, did I say months or years? We'll be, we'll have been married seven years in October. And, um, I can count on one hand, the number of checks that he's actually written. But I, I understand like there are some stupid fees to go along with, <laughs> with writing or, or using your credit card in certain places. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, uh, the fees that go along with writing checks are I'm sorry, using your credit card is, is ridiculous. Some in some places for sure. Um, I remember what was it that we, it's almost like you're punished for being, for buying things online. I think Alicia and I bo- uh, both renewed our, um, speaking of, you know, renewing services, we renewed our, um, our registration on our cars because we have September and October birthdays and uh, we paid for it online and there was some ridiculous heat because we used our card. But if we used a check, there was no fee associated with that. But, you know, I don't even know that we have checks laying around in the house anymore. Hmm. So I don't know. But anyway, uh, my weird story, um, for the week is that I was scrolling through my social media on Saturday. And, um, the first thing I, when I saw this, I saw this ad for, um uh, and I forget what it was called, Scott, you had to, uh, help me and remind me, but it was, uh, Heavy Metal Christian Church, I think was the name of the ad, Mm -hmm. and it was an ad for a church in Dayton, Ohio, um, which just so happens to be right in the middle between where Scott lives and where I live. And um, Yeah, it's the First
0: Heavy Metal Church of Christ.
1: Okay, First Heavy Metal Church of Christ. So I'm scrolling through Facebook on Saturday night, and I see an ad for First Heavy Metal Church of Christ. And I click on it and it's one of those, you know, Facebook ads where you can click on it. There's a video and they talk about their church and they talk about who they are and what they are. And legit, they are a heavy metal church. And um first thing I did was uh, I, sh- I shared it with Scott Stedman <laughs> because I figured that he would appreciate it. <laughs> and I'm and I'm like sitting there laughing. My wife is like, what is wrong with you? And I was like, look at this ad. And so. It's an ad talking about this church, and uh, I also told Scott about the the threat of comments in the comment section of this ad about how people were just hammering this church because they they didn't, they don't believe the same as what they believe, and they were sharing scripture, and it was just like this uh, haymaker of a uh, of communication between people that were believers and non believers alike, and how we should make room for everybody, and how you should come as you are, and be who you are, and so I shared that with Scott, and so today we're going to actually talk about, quote-unquote, gimmick churches and or mega churches and how they can either grow, um, what trends, what not trends uh, to make churches grow, et cetera, et cetera. Um, is there a perfect formula? Is there not a perfect formula to grow um, a, a church? Um, and uh, take to take it a step further, even to be a healthy church, you know, if it's a bigger church, a larger situation, is it healthy, is it not? And is what you're doing healthy? Um, we talked about Hillsong uh, months ago um, about how they were exposed uh, with the documentary, and they just you know they're a huge, huge church, and um, you know they weren't the healthiest of situations, obviously from the documentary that we watched, and we um, kind of talked about in a couple of episodes a couple of months back. But, Scott, what do you think about gimmick churches, and what do you think about this article I sent you?
0: So the heavy metal church, when I watched the video, I was just I, I was laughing, and, and laughing for a couple reasons. First, I just thought how, man, this is hilarious. The second thing, it reminded me, and I don't know if you if you may remember this guy. I think you're actually in Ohio around this time. But the Church of God actually had a church in the Dayton area. It was called Paradox. Do you remember Paradox? I don't. It was It was led by a Nate Helm. Who uh, who kind of grew up in the or he actually he was an atheist and then he ended up marrying Amanda Amanda Green I think was her maiden name but she actually went to Town Boulevard
1: oh, and yeah. I got married at Town Boulevard Church
0: so you know so like so you know so and and so from her dating him and everything else like he became a Christian and then he had this calling to preach churches so he started his church in Dayton called Paradox and it was a basic church but there'd be times like during like the offertory they would play like megadeth or like they would do communion and they would play like end of heartache by killswitch engage during communion so it's kind of like this it was almost like this paradox church where it's very like you know you come in sunday morning it looks like a church it feels like a church but then there'd be elements during the service that were kind of outside of what a normal church would be actually was doing pretty good was actually growing was featured in a couple of articles from ohio ministries and i think from anderson and their newsletter then the 2008 recession hit and totally wiped the church out because they weren't really getting much money like they weren't getting much tithe. and then the recession just kind of made it worse and actually for you old school Uh, listeners, you could go back when I interviewed actually uh, Nate Helm about Paradox and about his journey in churches and why he's no longer pastoring anymore. So that was, geez, that was probably like before I even broke a hundred episodes. So that's an old episode, but so, but it made me, but but very similar. It made me think of that, but not to the, it was almost like what Nate did and what I saw in that video, that video was like, we're just going to take it one, like a hundred steps further than what Nate was doing. like well, it was
1: crazy so i was just thinking about it too scott and that what's the name of the church again heavy metal church of christ
0: heavy metal church of christ
1: yeah so traditionally um churches of christ don't have music right mm-hmm. like well they have music but they don't have instruments you know what i mean they they yeah. literally sing everything cappella. so they have choral things or they have a music leader who like well maybe have like a pitch pipe and they'll just give you the first note and they'll sing the song, but they traditionally don't have instruments. So I thought it was pretty hilarious that they're called the Heavy Metal Church of Christ. And yet, when you think of heavy metal, Scott, what do you think of heavy metal music?
0: Heavy metal music, yeah. <laughs> so
1: the last thing I'm gonna, you know, I think I want to see is uh, a bunch of people screaming up there like heavy metal without instruments. So well,
0: um... hey, well To be fair, to be fair, that that'd be hilarious. Uh, but to be fair, like the Church of Christ actually did have a split. Because there is those who still want to do the whole pitch pipe, no instrument, the traditional, they,
1: no music. And yes. then
0: there were some that wanted to go because actually your buddy um, Tyler, who's playing music at the church that I was attending at in Virginia after I resigned, like they have a full band and everything, and they're a Church of Christ, they're Blue Ridge Church of Christ, but they call themselves Bridge. So
1: I think I think Tyler actually uh, he worked at the. There's a church in Mason, but they're also Church of Christ. But they're pretty; it's a pretty large church, Christ Church in Mason, and uh, they're a Church of Christ, but they have full blown instruments and yeah. things like that. So yeah,
0: yeah. So it's so yeah. So there's been a split where people who don't want the instruments can go to those type of Church of Christ churches, and those one instrument can go to the other one.
1: <laughs> but so,
0: it's it's interesting that you. Oh, go ahead, Mike. I'm sorry, I interrupted. No, 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 no.
1: I was gonna say. So, what did you think of that article when I sent it to you? Like, what did you? What was your first reaction to like?
0: It's, I mean, I sat there and I just thought, I mean, initially I thought, wow, what a gimmick. What a gimmick to try to get people to come to your church. And not necessarily, and I don't think like the guy who started this church or the vision for this church, I don't think he goes, man, what's a good gimmick that I can do to try to get people who don't go to church into church? Well, I like metal. There's a lot of metal fans out here in Dayton. They don't go to church. So what if I did a metal church and try to bring those people into the church? Mm-hmm. I don't know not necessarily think that was kind of the process. I think it's like, you know what? I love metal. What, how cool would it be is if I could have a church where we could do like praise and worship songs and it's just metal style, or I can do communion and maybe have like, a more of a mainstream metal song that may talk about sacrifice and forgiveness and mercy and grace or something, whether it's on the Christian spectrum of metal or even on the secular spectrum of metal and just kind of do that. Um, so that was kind of my first reaction. Like, Oh, what a, what a, what a crazy um, yeah. What a, what a crazy, Gimmick, but then it made me start thinking more about, you know, what other churches are out there that have like a strong gimmick, like a
1: really strong gimmick. And to be clear, what do you want to define gimmick as? Just like what they're.
0: I think a gimmick is something either it's a type of culture in the church or it's a type of marketing thing that tries to draw people in to their business or their brand. So when I was, when Laura and I were married, we lived in London, Ohio for a couple of years. Outside of Columbus. Outside of Columbus, on the west side of Columbus. And um, there was a church, and literally the name of the church was called the Church for People Who Don't Like Church. Hmm. And so we're like, okay. So we actually walked in there to see how it was. So we went to their 11 o'clock service. We go in there, we go into a sanctuary, and they had a sanctuary. They also had, they knocked out a wall on the side of the stage, and they called it their green room. So this was like a room that was more modern. So you didn't get all the, for people who made maybe church symbols or religious symbols might trigger something in them, that they were people who were abused in the church. Like there was a whole room, if they were coming back to church, it's like a safe room. They could go, they could watch the service, and they don't have to. Be, and we sat in a sanctuary, so it was like an older church that had like the wooden pews and everything. And they played, you know, contemporary music. It was fine. And then the pastor preached. It was an all right message. And then we got out of there, and it was one o'clock. We were in there for two hours. And I sat there to myself. I'm thinking, man, for a church for people who don't like church, having a two-hour service is probably not what I would envision of a church because <laughs> i'm thinking of like yo, know, most churches are an hour two hours long an hour and a half like especially growing up as a kid that's how long nazarene churches were they were super long and now yeah. it's like if i was if i heard oh a church for people who don't like church i would figure it, okay a couple songs 20 minute message we're out like an hour or less like for people who don't like church i know it was a two-hour service so i thought huh well, at least the name kind of enticed me to get me in there. But once I was in there, I didn't feel like that. Oh, yeah. If I didn't like church, I'd be like, yep, I would love going here. Like, I'm thinking, well, this is just a church. You're just using a weird gimmick to try to get people in, which, you know, I, I was in there. So it worked. Uh, yeah. Didn't go back, though.
1: <laughs> well, you know, I I can think of a couple of situations here in Cincinnati. like. You know, not necessarily a gimmick, but Crossroads Church is a huge church in Cincinnati. Have you ever been to Crossroads, Scott? Yeah. We've talked about Crossroads a little bit um, on your show, but uh, Crossroads Church is a is a huge church in Cincinnati. It's um, I don't even know how many campuses they have at this point, but they they run anywhere from twenty eight to thirty five thousand people every weekend. It's one of the largest churches in in the United States, and um, but anyway, like their marketing ploy is, you were born for an adventure. Right. Like their their mission statement is that you were born for an adventure. And everything they do is very uh if you look at their website, everything is very outdoorsy, everything is very like hiking and mountain climbing and camping. And they do a thing every year for for their men, uh the men that go to their church called uh, man camp. And it's like very like you know, it's strategic, right? And so that people uh you know, everybody's welcome, but you were born for an adventure, so like you know, come along with us. Right. <clears throat> and then another situation that I know, my friend Patrick is a um, he's the founding and lead pastor of the church called The Fringe in Hamilton, Ohio. And he also opened. So he um, has done an amazing job in, in the city of Hamilton in southwest Ohio. And just he was uh, really led to start a coffee shop and a church. And they're both called The Fringe, The Fringe Coffee Shop and The Fringe Church. And, uh, part of the friend's coffee shop story is that everybody that works there were formerly incarcerated, uh, people, right? So like they get out of prison. He wants to get them back on their feet and he wants to, you know, get them back into society. And the first thing that they, they need when they get out is a job, right? So like mm. Patrick and his wife, Sarah, both are both were formerly incarcerated. And so they really felt led to do that. So like they also felt. You know, led to start a church. So the French church is a very, very, very low key, like come as you are. Like they actually, they literally mean come as you are. Like I don't care if you've been in prison. I don't care if you're, you know, you've been rehabbed for drugs. Like there's this kind of tone that, you know, Scott, uh, whether it's, you know, admitted or not in churches where there's kind of judgment, you know, based on, you know, past experiences or, or maybe you, you're not a believer. Maybe, you know, you walk into a church and you're a homosexual or maybe you're a drug addict or maybe, you know, you have anxiety or, you know, there, you know, you're not the the status quo that goes into a church. And, uh, yeah, it's, it, it, this is a huge rabbit trail, but like, it's just, mm-hmm. there's so many uh, things that go into like quote unquote gimmick churches and you want people to feel welcome and you want people to feel apart, but like, there's also gotta be some sort of balance, I think. Um, yeah, so you know, I I don't know we're we're going with this conversation, but like I just really felt you know compelled to share that because it's like it's not just um you know it's not just sunshine and roses right like you you, you find Christ and you you believe in mm-hmm. Christ and you you know you have a relationship with Christ but and you consider yourself a Christian or a Christ follower. And it's just super easy after that. It's not. It's really not. It's not an easy road. It's scripture even backs that up. So what were you going to say?
0: Yeah. Uh, so, no, I was – I was. I, I agree with you. And it's interesting because I would just kind of went down a rabbit trail about gimmicky churches. And, you know, I found out in Zanesville, Ohio, there's a biker church, Mm-mm. which I know biking ministry been around for years. But it's interesting. Like this is a church where it's like specifically – For bikers, the pastor goes up there and he's wearing his biker gear. The praise band's up there and their biker gear. They actually had the machine gun preacher come to their church. So,
1: well, let me ask you this: let me ask you this really quick. Like, does the gimmick church for people that want to go to gimmick churches and like people that aren't really a part of that quote unquote gimmick? Does it feel like you're? Does it feel like you're almost an outsider when you go to a situation like that and it's only it's only aimed towards people that want to be bikers. Is it's it easy, only like, aimed towards people that are into heavy metal music? Is it only easy, aimed at people? You know what I mean? Yeah. And I
0: think that's, and I think that's a very good, cause I mean, even like I found a church of wrestling, which it's like, which I was just looking through their page and it's like, you know, I looked at their beliefs and everything, but, the only Christian thing I seen was a quote from St. Augustus saying, you know, there's no salvation outside the church, but anything else about their beliefs says nothing about God, Jesus or whatever. So it's like, OK, I think they're misusing the word church there. But, yeah, I mean, it's the same thing because like so for an example, if I go to like a normal church and I guess by normal, let's just say like a denominational church, Lutheran, Methodist, Church of God, you know, church of christ whatever you go there and it has a specific feeling and maybe you're somebody who's like oh you know i really don't fit in here so then you go to like let's say you go to the heavy metal church of christ in dayton now let's say you're somebody who goes oh i'm gonna go there but you don't like metal music but you just want to go there because you see that it's a church that's growing and maybe you know one may be a spiritual vagabond and they're like, oh, I see a growing church. I'm going to go there. And you go there and you're just like, and you feel like left out. Like you may you may dress up in a suit or you may dress up in a nice sundress and you go and everybody's wearing leather and makeup. <laughs> and You're just in, in like hate breed t-shirts and you're just sitting there and you're just like, okay, like how do you feel? Like you kind of feel left out. So I think in some ways, Trying to find a church that's trying to include the outsider means that you're also creating a culture where other people will feel like outsiders. And if other people feel like they're an outsider from your church because they don't fit the mold because you're too gimmicky or you have such a defined brand, then in some ways it's kind of acting counterculture to the church that God and Jesus and the, And Paul calls us to be. So, yeah, I I think that there is issues with gimmicky churches where they can create outsiders, at at least more outsiders than, you know, a regular church does. Because a lot of times if a regular church creates an outsider, it's usually because, well, they play all traditional music. And if you're someone who wants more of a contemporary style, you feel left out. But at the same time, it is based on preference not necessarily based on theology or the scriptures
1: yeah and i think you know along with what what i just said a little bit ago about just there being this kind of almost this unofficial wall of like okay i'm in the church and i'm i believe in jesus and you know i've got my life together and then somebody comes in that doesn't look like you or doesn't fit the quote-unquote mold of your church you know a how does that make them feel and then B, what does that say about your relationship with Jesus? And, you know, how is that going? Right. Like, because it's, <clears throat> you know, my parents used to call it, quote unquote, high church, meaning like there's kind of like this snobbery level to it. Like, you don't want to go to that church because there's, you know, people are too good for you. And, you know, they have money and they're doctors and they're lawyers and they're, you know, X, Y, Z. And they're the biggest givers in the church. And it was like this competition is if you could give more money to the ministry. And that's why they were thriving. And that's why they were growing versus, um, you know getting down to the meat of what a relationship with Jesus looks like in community in the local church. So, um, it's, it's kind of a, it's a mixed bag really. I mean, you can't, it's hard to have that balance where you can meet everybody's preferences because if you had a church of, let's just say 200 people, right. There's, you're not going to make everybody happy. Like, I don't care if it's the music. I don't care if it's the sermons. I don't care if it's the pre service slides or the social media or the sermon bumper videos that you may or may not do or the countdown or the loud music to plays before or after services, the smoke machine, the lights, the lights are on, the lights are off, you know, everything that goes into to corporate worship. Like, you're not going to make everybody happy. If you had five people in a room, five, all five of those people are going to have five different preferences. I guarantee it. They may agree on things. However, they're going to have different preferences, but uh, quickly I want to, I want to switch gears to like, we talked about it a little bit last night when we were texting about what we were going to talk about this week, but like talking about, is there a perfect formula to grow a church? Mm. You know, it could be a gimmick church or it can be a, uh, just a, a mega church that has grown and has been a successful music. Is there a perfect formula? And if so, do you know what that is? And, you know, you, you may not, and that's okay. But like, I was thinking about this yesterday. I'm like, you know, I have friends that pastor huge churches and they, you know, they look at me and they're like, I'm like, hey, Pastor So and so, how how does your church get to be this large? You know, whether it's a thousand, whether it's, you know, you know, I vividly remember have you ever been to Crossings in Oklahoma? No. So Crossings Community Church is a church of God that's a non-denominational church. It's kind of a weird thing. Like it started as church of God, it kind of grew and it's massive. So Crossings, uh, hosted our, you know, Church of God National Convention years, a couple of years back in like 2013, I think 2012, 13 or 14, something like that. And so, um, anyway, they're, they're a massive church. They, they, I think they run around 10 or 11,000 people mm-hmm. on the weekend, right? And they have six, uh, well, now they have, they have two campuses at their main campus. They have eight services on Sunday. So three traditional. No, three blended, three contemporary, and two traditional like chapel services, and then they have a satellite campus that has two services. So they average anywhere from eight to twelve services on the weekend, and then like on Easter and special occasions like Christmas, they'll do twenty or thirty services around those those special times of year. And so uh, a couple of years ago, I went to the Church of God National uh, Conference, which Crossings hosted, and I went to church on Sunday morning because I was there. Um, for the weekend the week before the, the conference happened and my friend josh is the worship pastor for contemporary worship there and they have a green room that's behind the stage where the band sits because there's nowhere to sit and the venue when when worship is over because they're just so full um and he was like well, why don't you sit out in the audience for worship and then come back to the green room and uh just hang out and ask questions or whatever and so um I listened to worship and I I'm walking in the hallway back to where the green room is. And I ran into the senior pastor at this church at crossings and his name's Marty Grubbs. And it's like, Hey, pastor Marty, it's good to meet you. My name's Micah, And, you know, uh, he looked at me and the first thing he said was like, you think they give me keys to this door. He couldn't find his key to get into the green room because it was locked. And then I was like, well, if you got a you know, time for a quick question, I'd love to ask you. And he was like, sure. And I was like, you know, how did your church get to be this large? How did your church get to grow? Uh, and he was like, he looked at me, and I, and I promise you, he just went, like, he had no idea. He had really had no answer for that. Um, I, I think he would, you know, if he were here and he was on this call right now, he would probably say that, you know, we've had faithful givers, and we've had people that have really poured in and believed in this ministry over the years. And and it's true. Like, as the story goes, like, they they they've had some really, they've been blessed with some very, very good financial times over the course of his 30 years of ministry. Not to say it was all roses and sunshine. Um, but, you know, they really believed in pouring into that ministry and growing that ministry. And that meant, you know, financially that meant, you know, praying that meant seeking and and trying new and different things because they, there was a need, right? Like you talk about gimmicks, this wasn't really a gimmick per se, but like they had a need for a contemporary service because they were, they had a younger thriving, um, community in, in the city of Oklahoma city. Um, and as a result, you know, they started a contemporary service, uh, you know, 10, 15 years ago in a gym, right. They were meeting in a gym and they packed it out, they grew it, and then they got their own venue. And so they were like, Oh, we have to go to multiple services. And now that service runs anywhere from three to 4,000 people a weekend because they have three of those. But anyway, Long story short, Scott, like, do you think that there's a perfect formula for that? Do you think, you know, like, and and I don't, I don't think so. Like, I think that God can bless and ordain certain times and places and, and situations. But like, I also believe you have to meet God in those moments. Like, I believe that you have to really pray and seek what the Lord is doing to grow a ministry. And that, that also means financially. And that also means having people willing to invest. Yeah. I, I as far as a
0: perfect formula, I think that. I think there's two approaches when it comes to growing churches. First one is if you can look at your demographics, look at your social economic status, look at the city you're in, look at the culture you're in and think about, okay, as a church, how do I insert myself into this community to really meet the needs of this community in the hopes that if I'm meeting needs in this community, then those people are going to see the church as this is a church that is very influential in the community and this is why we are going to go to this church because they really care about not only the community and serving people within this community but even the outer communities as well uh so and a community could be defined as anything it could be defined as a city or it could be defined as a certain demographic of people you know if you want metal heads you you go to metal church because that's the culture you're trying to create if you want doctors and lawyers then you create a culture that's going to appeal to your doctors and lawyers and whatnot um on the flip side of that i think the other side of that coin is are you doing the things that jesus taught
1: are Mm -hmm. you
0: trying to be the church that paul had to write letters to the early church and correct something saying this is what the church is supposed to be like are you trying to live up to that standard that model and then I think the third ingredient is are you so in tune with your relationship with Jesus Christ that you're getting a clear word from his Holy Spirit to guide you and direct you to make these decisions or to go down these certain avenues in ministry that's really going to hit that well of the well that will never run dry. where there's just going to be blessing upon blessing and growth upon growth and not necessarily numerical growth. But you're seeing discipleship happening, you're seeing spiritual growth, because I believe if you can hit that growth, then your numerical growth is soon going to follow if you're discipling people well. And mm-hmm. I think that is – so you know, you could have churches that may not necessarily have a gimmick or they may not necessarily have any appeal to a certain culture, but they are discipling well. And I think if that's – and I think if that's the foundation – then even if you put the gimmick on top of that, you're going to grow. If you have your gimmick and then you're trying to do something to put that on top of your gimmick, but your gimmick's your foundation, your gimmick's only going to go so far before it falls flat. It's like trying to put –
1: Because a- marketing is just an evolving thing, and I think – and I've taken some marketing courses and and do marketing for, for my job um, – I think that like you're supposed to rebrand yourself every seven years, like every five to seven years, meaning new logos, meaning new colors, new fonts, new, you know, and if you notice like Chick-fil-A and other, you know, businesses and things that have been super successful over the years, like they constantly change. Like look at the, look at the way that restaurants look right now, right? Like look at how they look like Taco Bell looks super like industrial now versus what it looked like when we were kids. It looked like a, like a, little Mexican restaurant that was not mm-hmm. Mexican restaurant. But you know what I mean? Yeah. There's things that go along with marketing and branding like where you have to re- reinvent the wheel, so to speak.
0: Yeah, but at the same time, Taco Bell, their philosophy of how they do business, how they do food is pretty much the same. A lot of the stuff that they change is the look of their stores, their logo. Maybe there might be some things as times adjust. Maybe they will have some things like, adjust their training manual or some something so that they can, you know, be prepared for customer service and, and maybe a different, better technique of how to fry refried beans or how to, you know, prepare their meat or whatever the case may be. But for the most part, the foundational thing of what makes Taco Bell work is that you know what it is and yeah. you know why you go there and you know the type of quality and the type of service you're getting at Taco Bell. Um, you know d- depending on the you know who's the manager is and everything else so if you have people who are affluent and i mean it's like that show undercover boss or sometimes the guy who was the ceo or the person who founded it could go into some of these individual shops and go oh this needs to change or man this manager is garbage and really treating the coworkers like staff i'm ready to you know and occasionally they do break their cover say hey I am the owner of this franchise and you're screwing it up. You're fired and basically just lay down the gauntlet because you know that, Hey, this is pretty messed up. So, but yeah, I think a lot of times, you know, things can change, but what's foundational, Mm -hmm. what is the big foundational, what makes your church, the church. And I think the foundation has to be on the teachings of Jesus Christ by being obedient to the, movement of the holy spirit and if you're not and if that's kind of taken second place then you're only then you're gonna then you're not going to be able to break through that ceiling to get big you're always going to stay your same size or you're going to either start declining and you're going to start losing people because eventually the gimmick just isn't working anymore
1: well i also believe too that like um you should you should have your mission statement. You should have your articles of faith, what you believe in why. And I almost, I'm almost like, I'm a fan of like, okay, if you took six weeks out of your year, you know, four to six weeks and you're the teaching pastor and we have a mission statement, you know, I don't know. Uh, and you do a six week series really proclaiming on what you believe in why. And then like throughout the year, kind of sprinkle in what, what you believe in why just to remind people, um, and to bring them along. So like, that's the, one of the biggest things to me. I mean, yes, you can have a relationship with Jesus and yes, you can be a Christ follower, but if you go to a church and you don't know why you're there and you don't know what your church believes and the core values and why, then then what are you doing? Mm -hmm. Um, So like, I think that a lot of times churches miss the mark there um, because they're not really affirming what they're teaching or they're not, you know, validating or backing up those, those, you know, articles of faith, you know, we believe in, communion we believe in baptism why do we believe in communion why do we believe in baptism um why do we believe in believe in life groups why do we believe in other things that um that are so important to to what we believe and why especially in you know the local church and um are we missional are we not and then what does that missional uh conversation look like what kind of outreach are you doing why do you do outreach like all those things like you know i think that every church should do you know four to six week series every year just kind of reminding folks of what they believe and why yeah um, so um as far as the gimmicks are concerned like i you know if nothing else like back to the conversation kind of circling back all the way to the you know heavy metal church of christ like i would go to the church just to see what it was like other than that i probably wouldn't attend there because like even though i like hard rock music and metal music and other kinds of music other genres I don't know that I would want to go to church every week where that kind of music was played. Um, I would like to go see a biker church, but I have no interest in motorcycles. I don't own a motorcycle. I'm not a part of a biker group. So like mm-hmm. for me, I don't think that uh, other than going right to a church just to see it and experience it, I wouldn't go there on a regular basis because that's just not, um, you know, just not, you know, like, it's just not my um, cup of tea, so to Mm -hmm. speak. And like, and, you know, to back up that point, and you know, have that conversation that you're having, Scott, or the point that you brought up, like, if we get to the point of like, okay, it's just gimmicky for people that want that kind of thing. But does it really appeal to other people? Or is it just appealing to the people that want to be bikers? Or is it just appealing to the people that want to, you know, go to a heavy metal church? Or is it just, you know, so on and so forth, right? So like, I don't know. It's just, uh, it's an interesting conversation for sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's something that we have to, you know, as church leaders, we have to continue to think and process and kind of really, you know, kind of take
1: hold of how do we bridge that gap though? Right. Like the, the biker mm-hmm. church, people aren't going to want to come to the church. You know, they, they, you know, the church that you're working at, Scott, Would the, would the biker people want to come to your church. Or would the people of your church want to go to the biker church? Like, how do you bridge that gap with people and say, "Hey, we're all in this for the same reasons"?
0: Well, Micah, that's a good question. I mean, I mean, I think that was kind of the big. I mean, not to get all Church of God on you, but I mean, I think that was the. <laughs> I mean, I think that was the big vision for DS Warner. His whole thing was, "Why do we have all these different denominations? Why can't we be, yeah. just be one Church of God?" and I think that was something that he strived for that. And his whole big vision was that all these other denominations were just going to mm-hmm. leave the part. And then we were just going to be one big church of God, not as a denomination, but just as a people of God that worship Jesus and not have the denominational lines divide us. And I think how you bridge that gap, I really don't know because I think just being human and being part of our world There's so many things on how we interpret the word of God and how we interpret certain religious practice that I think so many times people want to argue and say, well, no, that's not how we sue it. So we're going to cut it off versus, okay, I understand your point of view. And even though I don't necessarily agree with it, at least I understand where you're coming from and I see that there is some legit – reasons and even some legit scriptural foundations on why you do the things you do and then use that as a bridge to kind of break crack the walls of denominationalism the crack the walls between regular church and wrestling church um to kind of do those things and i think that's where you have to kind of build the bridge but i think it's hard because there's only a few people who are willing to open up their ears and open up their hearts and be able to learn from somebody who has a different approach to ministry or a different view of this sacrament or this ordinance or this church practice.
1: Well, DS Warner also believed that women could, shouldn't wear uh, pants. So
0: <laughs>
1: That's true. So,
0: but that's an extra biblical thing. That's not biblical.
1: <laughs> yes. Um, no, it's a great point. I mean, It's just, it's so fascinating to to sit here and like we've talked about worship and preferences and worship and communications and other episodes that we've done. But like, you know, why do people go to church? Why do people go to the churches they they go to? You know, why are they a part of certain churches and not others? And, um, I, and honestly, I, I mean, you could probably ask this question of everybody. Why do you go to church and why do you prefer this church over other churches? Right. Like, if churches truly believe and and, and um, teach the same things about Jesus and, and ha- what it means to follow Jesus, then there should be really no difference, right? I mean, aesthetically, mm-hmm. other than aesthetically. Um, and that does and does that you know further the conversation of is it preference over biblical teaching? Man, that's a that'll that'll rub somebody the wrong way i just
0: (laughs) just thought about
1: that right like i mean that's um wow yeah
0: yeah so friends what are your what are your thoughts on churches that have a specific marketing gimmick or even just a whole culture gimmick i would like to know your thoughts or comments maybe you know of a church that has a different gimmick than wrestling or heavy metal or biker. maybe you found a church that has like waterfall diving church or whatever the case may be. I want to know about it. I want to hear about it, guys. But thank you so much for listening. I hope you guys have a wonderful weekend, and we'll be back on next week with a new episode. Take care.